Hey friends, guess what? I've got a new book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide on March 8th called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. This book is based on something I call genealogical regressions because sometimes when I'm working with clients, I go into their past lives and I realize this is not the source event of the challenge. We need to send light and love to ancestors in order to make our lives the wonderful places that we want to be. So I hope you'll check out my new book and stay tuned for class announcements, book signings, and more as March gets closer. Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life coming March 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. One of my very, very favorite people who I've met recently is my guest today, Cindy Dale. She is so wonderful. She's a great healer. She has incredible energy healing books for pets. And the one that we're going to be talking about today, really, really detailed. Um, She's a lot more detailed (laughs) than I am in many ways. And she's amazing. And she's just one of the nicest, nicest people you'll ever want to meet. So let's settle in and check out my interview with the amazing Cindy Dale. Hey, my friends, guess what? We've got Cindy Dale on the show today, and I have to tell you all about her because I'm a huge fan. Let me read you her bio. Cindy Dale is an internationally renowned author, speaker, healer, and business consultant. She's president of Life System Services, and she's conducted over 65 thousand client sessions she presents throughout Europe, Asia, and the Americas. She's got a ton of books, and I have to show you the one that I first fell in love with. You know I love pets. Energy, wellness, and your pets. Look here, Cindy and Honey and Lucky, her little fur children. Aren't they adorable? I'm telling you, my friends, this book is amazing. It's got photos in it. It talks about animal chakras. It's incredible. And She's got tons of books. And so the one we're also going to talk about today, which is also right up my alley, energy healing for trauma, stress, and chronic illness. And you know, unfortunately, we're all dealing with a lot of that lately. Cindy Dale, you're amazing. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm so excited to meet you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad you showed Honey and Lucky because they only agreed to get that photo taken because they want to be famous. So... (laughs) 
I know, right? They want an Instagram following. Want an Instagram following. We can't let them down. (laughs) Exactly. And then what would be sad? I thought about giving Biscuit his own, my cat, his own uh, Instagram account. And I thought, but what's going to happen when he gets more followers than me? That's going to hurt, you know? (laughs) It's going to hurt you, but, (laughs) you know. Anyway, a way to enjoy that one though. If when that once they become more famous, I think Honey and Lucky probably are more famous than me. So they just get more snacks. So there you are. There it is. Yes, round the clock care. I'm sure. So, so you have so much in your new book that is absolutely incredible. And so since we're kind of meeting on zoom um i was talking to cindy before the show we were supposed to meet at an event this summer which obviously didn't happen one of the things i noticed in your new book on energy healing is you just got right into it and you talked about the dreaded elephant in the room the COVID 19 and i was wondering if you could just talk to us about the energetic implications of that in your opinion because i thought it was just really well handled in your new book Thank you. Well, it was very timely. I got the proofs back for the book and I was told like in April, uh, we had gone into lockdown in uh, March and Llewellyn said, you know what? You can write about COVID. Go ahead. There's time, there's space. We'll add it, put COVID in there. So I had been working with it already. I'd actually had COVID and was able to clear the symptoms within about 24 hours. So I had direct experience of it. My kids had it, you know, kind of long before we knew what all the symptoms were. So, and I had been going to teach in China, right, you know, kind of after that outbreak occurred there. So I was sort of on the front line, which I thought was very useful, Shelley, to be, you know, kind of in the middle of it. And I think that was on purpose. So energetically, I think the positive, let's start there, of COVID-19 is, come on, we're on the same planet, right? right? This is a this is a virus, there's other viruses, you know, that if we, you know, kind of don't pay attention to what's happening to the world, to the climate, to each other, you know, you know, illnesses, viruses, microbes don't stop on, on a map, you know, just because we draw a line, you know, kind of between mountains and we say, that's this continent and that's this continent or whatever, they don't care. And neither should we. We shouldn't care, you know, kind of just because, you know, a group of people is on the, or beings, animals are on the other side of the world. Why should we care? We're sharing the same space. So let's take care of each other and let's take care of this planet. And I think that's what we can glean. And I think a lot of people are actually doing that too. Absolutely. I think there's never been a better demonstration of the fact that, you know, our personal actions are impacting others. And like you said, we're all one planet together because because of technology, the ability to fly around the world, we've never had a time like this when we could all be having the same thing at the same time. It's kind of amazing in the positive light. It is, and it's the it's that idea of the social compact. And, you know, I, and I find, I, I'm like, wear your mask, <laughs> you know, take care of yourself take care of each other. And 
I understand the Constitution because I remember back in college, we studied the philosophers whose ideas were used to frame the Constitution. And one of the basic core concepts is the social compact. Like you can have your freedom as long as you don't harm yourself or other people. And, you know, isn't that sort of like the, you know, Jesus's commandment, which shows up in other religions and spiritualities around the world? I think we have to get really simple and really real and really true and treat each other accordingly. So again, I think there's a lot of negatives. It's very dramatic and traumatic and people are lonely. They are losing jobs. People are dying before their time as far as we know that. Uh, so there's certainly a lot of trauma and drama in the wake, which is also why I wanna always say, okay, but what can we take from it? Right. Absolutely, because there's always some kind of a blessing. You know, the fact that we've been forced to stay home and be still, I think that's been really hard for some people. And sometimes I look back and think about how I used to act when I was younger. And I just said, oh, thank God I'm not 20 years old anymore. You know, it would be so much harder. I think the more life experience you have and you understand that, you know, every person is going to have ups and downs and just how you kind of move through those with grace and just holding some kind of a calm center, you know that these things are going to get resolved. But if you've had less life experience, I think that is very difficult. So and and it's a learning experience too. I have a college age young man, and they did go back to school, um, you know. And so they're visiting, uh, but you know, they he's on a baseball team, and they all got COVID. There's 35 young men. I think all 34, except for Gabe, tested with it because he'd already had it. And so, you know, there's a certain amount of risk taking <laughs> that you do too when you're younger, right? Yes. Yes, <laughs> and, you know, and you're creative, um, but, it, but we're in this together. So we have to solve the issues together. And, you know, in the middle of this, I took on an elder, uh, elderly gentleman to befriend through an organization that I think it's national. I'm not sure though. Little Friends of the Elderly, because there were mm. so many people shut in. So I said, sure, you know, I'll I'll take on, I'll adopt somebody and I'll call him. And I did. And you know, by the time summer rolled around, I would drive down to where he was. I'd bring these these folding chairs. We'd sit seven, eight feet across, wear a mask, and we'd visit. And he was like, you're the only person I get to see. We don't want that to be true moving forward. We don't want people isolating and stuck someplace where they can't have joy or companionship. So there's a lot I think that we get to change about the world moving forward when we have the power to do that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's been so strange to see the isolation. And there are so many people who are very much alone um, I just think we're all here, you know, at this time for a reason, as you do. And, um, you know, there's reasons and we're going to come through it. And in a couple of years, I think we will look back on this and say, you know, this was some really fascinating times and some times for growth opportunities. So it will all unfold, I'm sure. It will. And because we're getting new trauma, I, it is traumatizing for people. I remember when we first went into lockdown, I was on the toilet uh, paper brigade. I was like, what am I gonna do if I run out of toilet paper? That feels like three years ago now. I mean, isn't that weird? It feels like forever ago. And I finally stopped and I was like, Cindy, come on. You know, there are other, other mechanical 
<laughs> you know, products you can use besides toilet paper. Hello, this is all okay. So what are you doing? And it helped me do a deep dive into other times in my life. I was really scared. I felt lack. I thought nobody's going to take care of me when I need it. And uh, I finally figured out some of what I was recurring, what was happening inside of me was really from my grandparents, you know, and, and uh, relatives older than them. My grandparents lived through the depression. My parents did when they were really young. Mm. So there's so much to us that when we go through an event, it, it can be a pandemic, a job loss, uh, the death of somebody, a, you know, fear about, oh, I finally adopted a dog. How do I toilet train it or whatever? Yes. <laughs> you know, during this time, I, one of the, you know, kind of what a lot of people talk to me about is, you know, I'm feeling a lot of feelings and I'm trying to figure out, are they all mine? Are they others as well? Are they, are they from when I was young? Are they from my ancestor? Beautiful time to start sorting that out. Absolutely. And I agree. I, I did the same thing. The first few weeks of like in March, I had been in the Holy Land um, until the first week in March and they started to shut it down. And I, I was on the plane that everyone else was trying to get on to get out of there and just barely made it back in time. And I, I sat there and thought, oh my God, you know, this is really serious. I could have made people sick. And I just kind of sat around in a fog for a few weeks. And then finally, you just have to start unpacking that and saying, okay, we're going to have to move forward. What is this about? I was buying a, what I call my apocalyptic food supply of dried fruit and nuts and stashing it, you know, toilet paper. And then I'm thinking, like you said, like, what in the heck am I doing here? We're going to have to move forward. And I don't like unpleasant um, experiences. Cindy was commenting on my rose colored glasses. Yes, this is where I live, you know, so I had to really start to say, you know, okay, these are feelings. They're not ones I enjoy. And that's how I started this podcast was I was having a conversation with the listeners just one on one as we kind of navigated through this. And then it's just been recently, I started to really say, you know, we may be here for a while. And we need to get some new friends to talk to. So here you are. And I, I think that everyone's had to come to terms with these things in their own way, however long that's taken each one of us to do so, but there's always some good growth that comes in that. But you make a lot of good points about just what is it also pointing out in the society that's gonna have to change? We can't leave people by themselves. We're one community, you know? And I think it's been able to shine a light on some areas that really need some healing. And so- And we're in a long haul. And you know what? Yes. Many times in our life, we're in a long haul stress. I mean, somebody can be in a really stressful marriage for a really long time or trying to deal with their alcoholism, you know, before they can actually get sober for a long time. It is not new to be stuck or, or just moving slowly for great expanses of time. I work with people who have autoimmune dysfunctions and mm -hmm. sometimes it's years before they can start to feel like they can, they're coming up for air. Or I was a single mom and there was a number of years where I had three kids at home, five animals. I paid the bills and that was a long time. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you have to, you have to simultaneously take care of yourself do what you need to do for other people and find joy. 
you you need to find those moments of joy. I still look back to those years, you know, kind of where I don't remember how I did anything, but, um, you know, three different kids, one's a foster daughter, my two boys, 10 years apart. And, you know, we actually had a really good time because I wasn't too picky. My my former foster daughter still says, she goes, now she has three kids of her own. She goes, you know, I still do the laundry the way you and I did it back then. We had this technique, I guess you'd call it a technique. It wasn't a proper one, but you know, <laughs> you, you brought the dirty clothes down and when you couldn't stuff more in the washing machine, you just started it. Heavens to be praised, there aren't any red towels in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> The next person to come down, which could be you, it could be, you know, the, the, the two females did the laundry. That's fine. It wasn't sexist. We made the boys do other things. You know, then if you come down and it's wet, the clothes are wet, you put them in the dryer and then you, you know, start building up the next load. And whoever then needs clothes and they're not anywhere to be found, you go down and you take them out of the dryer. Your job was to then put them on a big towel and hopefully... Uh, fold them as well. So you've got to come up with creative, different ways to be when the old techniques don't work, the old processes don't work. You can't be who you were. So you know what? Try to be somebody else. Go paint your walls. If you're still sort of mainly stuck inside, paint your walls. And I don't mean just white. Why can't you take a wall and just paint a mural on it? I mean, do something different and change it up. Absolutely. And then there you go. See, you started a tradition there that's still happening. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's a community-based, everyone's working together kind of an attitude, which is the exact kind of attitude we need right now. So everybody, now you know how to do laundry properly. <laughs> there Just it is. Sure there's no red towels in there because they really do alter. <laughs> yes, alter that's another story. Yes, I have some of those. And yes, they are a challenge. They are. <laughs> Now, you know, you talk about the book is so thorough about all the different kinds of trauma that people can experience. And of course, we're all in this collective global trauma now. But one of the ones you really hit on that um, is near and dear to my heart that I talk a lot about is the idea that too much um, obsessive news cycle and or screen time and things like that can actually cause a form of trauma. And I think that that is um, very well put. And I was wondering if you could speak to that and the trauma that we get from our addictions to electronics and media. Absolutely. Because trauma is stress that we don't release. It's the stress or the after effects of stress that gets stuck in our system. That can be in our subtle system, the you know invisible self or the soul or the physical body, but it's just stress that doesn't leave. And then we're kind of keep going like this. And when we're first going through a stress, we don't really know it, but we're usually impacted by their, we may think they're visible, but they're not invisible forces. And one of the forces that impacts all of us are digital forces, you know, modern, modern forces, uh, anything from EMF to, you know, too many, you know, those darn emails, right? <laughs> and I think- Don't get me started, please. <laughs> oh, oh, we've all read emails that we go, why did I even read the first line? I'm just- crushed or whatever it might be. But news is particularly challenging, whether you read it, it's a little more difficult and hard to recover from if you're watching it, because it creates in us something I've been calling herd mentality, 
like you go where they go and it you know the the body doesn't know that we're not in the television i like to think of it right. that way. you don't know you're not in the screen you believe you are it's the same as when i remember when i first learned about abuse and the impact of abuse if you see dad or mom strike each other it's as if you're getting hit the same thing on the screen it's herd mentality so if if you see a bunch of kkk people and what they're chanting you will feel it. And some people don't have very good boundaries and they actually go with the message. They, they just go, oh, I'm, you know, I believe this, or I believe that, or now I'm this type of person, or look, you know, QAnon is real or whatever it all is. So right. we're very vulnerable to what happens on digital. We bring it in, it stresses us, it stresses our electrical system, it stresses our emotions. And for some people, they just start believing everything that's there because they're sort of surrounded by it. So we have to be super careful to draw out or not, not go in is even better. Absolutely. You know, in hypnotherapy, we're talking about the fact if you stare at anything for just a couple of minutes, you're putting yourself into that alpha hypnotic suggestible state. And so then that's why the vegetarian may go, why am I on my way to McDonald's right now? This doesn't make any sense, you know, because you're in a trance, like you said, and you're very suggestible. And uh, it's just something that drives me bananas. I recently, even just a couple of days ago, I've been Zooming a lot and I just get to the point where I've just, I've had it up to here. I can't sit in front of the screen anymore. I, I've called that frequency sickness. And you really do address those things in the book that there's all of the screen time, all of the, just the frequencies that are in the passive air. And I know there's a lot of people who are um, concerned about this 5G, the frequency of 5G and what that may or may not be doing to people. And I, I just thought you did a great job of addressing those things, which are unseen, but they're very real, right? They're very real and they're unseen, but you know, we only actually with our eyes see 0.0036% of visible light. So, but we're, we're affected by all the other types of the electromagnetic spectrum, especially if we have certain vulnerabilities. And so all this stuff that's flying around, we sense it, we feel it, we see it, we have to compensate for it. It's not that it's necessarily going, away, going to go away, but we need to make our own personal choices and find ways to protect ourselves. Like, I mean, I have copper rods <laughs> throughout my house, you know, because they can turn away certain types of EMF. I sometimes wear those amber eyeglasses that cut out the blue tones uh, when you're looking at a screen all day or a, you know, computer or a, a television. You know, there's certain shapes. There's this great uh, study called biogeometry that was, that was really made popular by an Egyptian uh, archaeologist, um, I always call him an archaeologist because he knows anthropology. You know, that's not actually what he does, but he is really knowledgeable about that. Um, but he has created, based on ancient knowledge, you know, kind of an idea about what shapes protect you from what and which ones can enhance, uh, you know, kind of the growing of plants or the laying of hen eggs, absolutely everything. So we have a lot of tools that we can use out there if we choose to. He's an architect, you know, so it makes sense that he would understand shapes and even colors. So this is where I think go use your screen time and do some research. We can find almost anything out these days and organize our rooms in such a way or 
use the right crystals in such a way. And people, you know, like, you know, I have been so accused over the last 20, 30 years of being too new age. This stuff is science. Uh, shapes. I know, I know. Hello, the Thank whole you. group. Right? We're in the club, girl. It is what it is. But it's science. I mean, crystal yes. store data. IBM figured that out decades ago. We now use quantum crystals to convey data. So why aren't more of us using age old methods and doing breathing and coming up with a color to wear or put in our environment, you know, to decrease trauma and create better boundaries. It's where science is finally catching up to what a lot of us have already been talking about for a really long time. Absolutely. Um, the other thing you talk about along those lines that I know a lot of people have troubles with, including myself, is the idea of being too empathic to the environment. Because I also had COVID. I think you knew that. And, uh, I had locked myself into the house because I'm very concerned about not wanting to create karma by making people sick. But my brother ended up bringing it home from work to the immediate family members who were in my little bubble and we all end up getting COVID. So you know what that's like. And then you're thinking, dang, you know, I should know better. This is, this is not good. And I started, um, I really had gotten hit fairly hard with it. And then until I started realizing, I feel like I'm picking it up for my parents who are much older, because I was really, when this first happened, you feel because of the media of it, you're just going, oh my God, you know, this is not going to go well. And so I felt like I was picking that up. And once I kind of came through that, I was able to kind of cut cords with it and move through it. But I think that the whole society, whether they're realizing it or not, we are empathic more than we think we are and like you said keeping the copper around that not only are we picking up these electromagnetic energies but the energies from each other from thoughts and from different kinds of trauma so I was wondering if you could just say a few words about what you recommend for all of these impacts what can we do to to get rid of this and we can be learn empathic too so I when I was growing up and I started therapy, I had all these allergies. I was constantly, you know, sneezing and miserable and this and that. And I started therapy about 19 or 20. My therapist said, you know, you're a psychic, you're, you're empathic. And I did this little experiment. I would have done it different if I knew better, but I said, you know, I bet these aren't all my allergies. I want them to go back to who's supposed to have them. Most of them disappeared except for like two and they showed up in my family members. So uh, not that we catch COVID through the airways, but you can certainly get worser symptoms, you know, and worsening symptoms because you're sparing somebody, because you have a heart of gold, because you've read statistically, if you're this age, it's gonna be worse. So all of that impacts us. Uh, and so I, I believe I got over COVID really quickly because I had a couple techniques I used and because it, there wasn't a test. I knew it was because I was miserable. I was like, this is not the flu. This is not the flu. I, I just know this is not, but nobody kind of told me what I had. So I was like, well, then I can- Oh, that it. helps. <laughs> to not define something actually helps it. I was told, my, the family wanted me to get tested. So once you have that definition, the first thing I felt was, oh my God, you know, and shortly after I got it, I felt 
a physical thought form. It just came up out of my mouth and it was all the fear that the media has projected onto the society about the thing. And then once that passed, I started to feel better. And then once I started realizing, wait a minute, I think I'm picking this up for them so that they will do better with it, cut the cords and let's just have everyone move through this quickly, then that definitely does help. But you're right that Exactly. It's called the nocebo effect, even in psychology. We know the placebo effect. If you think you're going to get better, you're far apt to get better quicker, etc. If you think a pretty pink pill with, with this sugar is going to you know, heal you, it most likely will. But the nocebo yeah. effect is the opposite. If you think the worst, the worst is going to happen. And so it's really tough to control those thoughts, but you can do it. Breathe. Yeah you know, kind of use some techniques that make sense to you. I, you know, use a very simple technique if somebody thinks that they have COVID to energetically teach their body how to cope with it because the actual virus, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it, you know, it's got the spikes on it and it's a single strand of RNA. So I say, you know, go after it, like bring grace in, bring healing in, go in the back door and disintegrate the RNA. So get some tools that you know will work for your personality type. So you're not just disempowered, you're also empowered. There's a family I saw at uh, baseball this summer, everybody's sitting apart, but this and that and the other thing. And again, I'd had it, I wasn't scared. Family of four knows my son, the baseball player. They all had it and they didn't know it. They said, well, it's just like colds. And then one of us went in for a test and found out we had antibodies. And it was like, well, we thought we had colds. People can get really yeah. sick. I think there's a big genetic factor. Awesome. I think there's preconditions. Be cautious, especially if you know that you have physical precursors for this. Uh, but it's still not going to hurt to get some good tools, meditative tools, boundary tools. Picture yourself just like letting the virus float off and out and not hurting anybody. Talk to friends and have them be supportive and up, upbeat with who you are. S eat right, <laughs> right? Get zinc, vitamin yes, D. The vitamins. Vitamin D, zinc, you know, vitamin C. Do whatever yes. works for your body to keep yourself tuned up. Absolutely. So switching gears, here's something else. You have so much in this book. People, let me tell you something. You need this book. Everybody needs it. So, okay. One of the things that I picked up on also, I have had a friend client who had a really severe um, issue with her vagus nerve and you talk in extensive detail. And I would love it if you would share with my listeners and viewers, what is this and what all it is affecting with the gut health and why that is so important to everyone? It's so important to understand our vagus nerve. Yeah, the book has a lot of biology and chemistry because I believe that to be very effective with your subtle energetics and your spiritual work, you're, you still got a body. So how does the body work? So there's many cranial nerves. They start up here, you know, kind of under the skull and they go down and around and through the body. But the most important is called the vagus nerve, B-A-G-U-S. And it passes through most of the ports in the body, many of the organs. And if you're a subtle energy practitioner, it also goes through the chakras, by the way. So it, it works with the subtle and the physical energy. And it goes all the way through the system. And one important landing spot for us is in what's called the microbiome, uh, which is our, our gut, it's our digestive tract. 
And that's part of what's called the enteric nervous system or the secondary gut. You have, is, you have more nerves uh, determining your health and your feelings in your gut than you do in your brain, specific types of neurotransmitters. And in the gut, in this big, huge track, you know, that does your physical digestion and analyzes your feelings and creates feelings, you know, you've got 80% of your immune system. Your, your vagus nerve is like a highway. It's like a, it's like a telephone line, an old fashioned landline. And it goes down from the head down to the gut and from the gut uh, up to the head and it gives information up and down. But 90% of the information goes from your gut to your head. You can actually have microbes crawl up the vagus nerve. I know that's kind of creepy, but it gives you all kinds of diseases in the head when you have unhealthy stuff down there. You have old feelings, uh, stuff that's not working, uh, stress responses down in your gut. They're gonna go up to the head and you know kind of freak you out or create depression anxiety or depression you know kind of within your whole system your vagus nerve is programmed they call it social programming and you know really that means in childhood <laughs> you pick up all this stuff that's going to tell you when you're safe or not so it's holding those programs so most of what happens, most of what you respond to in a stress way, you know, is from this early family programming. So if you think you're safe, if, if somebody when you were young taught you, you can be safe in a crowd, you're going to feel safe in a crowd. If you don't believe that, or you don't think the world is safe, or you're never going to have money, the vagus nerve is kind of dictating that and biological responses. So it's going to decide when you're going to be really stressed and when you get to be relaxed. We're only supposed to be in fight or flight or freeze or whatever, when there's actually a real problem, then we're supposed to go back out of it. But for most of us, the vagus nerve is telling us, stay stressed all the time. There's So of course you're gonna get sick. You're gonna, you're gonna be anxious, you're gonna be depressed, you're not gonna be happy. So the vagus nerve is sort of where it's at. You relax it, you relax your life, you're healthier, if you get coronavirus, you're not going to get as sick, et cetera. Absolutely. You mentioned a couple of times about ancestors. I've got a new project coming out um, in March about healing our ancestors because that healing creates a healing in our own physical bodies because they're actually scientific evidence that proves that as much as 20% of our individual personalities is being brought forward from our ancestors. So talk some more about why he, sending light and healing to our ancestors is important, which I of course agree with you, it is. Yes, and, and you have this soup around your genes called the epigenome that holds the chemistry of what your ancestors have gone through at least 14 generations. So are you having your feelings or your grandmother's feelings? Are you craving a banana or, or uh, pancakes or wheat because you're craving it or because great grandma craved it? I mean, honestly, and are you getting really sick because you're just triggering what happened when grandpa got sick? He got super, super sick. He got a heart attack out of it. Maybe that's why some people are getting heart attacks after they get COVID too. I mean, there it goes way back. So you heal your ancestry. You send energy to your ancestry. Their souls get it. Your chemistry will also change. So it's always about love and it's always about grace. 
And it's always about wishing the best. So you could visualize your ancestors, you can send it into, you know, you can visualize love and healing and light going into this, these epigenome soup makers, you know, kind of around your genes. You can work through what's called the Ming Men doorway in traditional Chinese medicine. It's in the back between your kidneys and in TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, that's where our ancestors' energies come through during preconception, which, hello, you kind of get stuck with what you get stuck with then. So I tell people, visualize that doorway back there, send healing through the doorway going backward behind you, your ancestors get a healing, and then you are sorting what they've sent you and you you then end up with what you what's good for you not what's not so good for you that's a technique i use all the time yeah i developed one that's um i started doing it because i was taking people into past lives but sometimes i want them to go to the source event so we can pull an issue out by the root and you start to realize wait a minute this isn't even about them it is about their ancestors and so floating over events and things and having um, visual encounters with actual events that happen to the ancestors and extending that light in that way as well. And then you do, you start to feel, okay, if that's my great, great grandmother, then my great grandmother is better. My grandmother, my mother. And then that starts to move to you and all the people, not only who you interact with daily, but everybody in future generations is receiving this. And if everyone would take just a minute, you know what I'm talking about, to do the exercise you just described to send that light to all, then it would be a lot better place even than it is now. Well, so many cultures talk about this. They revere the ancestors. You know, the Bible talks about you can send, you know, healing seven generations back and you get issues from seven generations. Seven is just a magic number, yes. you know, but if you, but if you send healing, it goes, you know, take it, it goes down to your children as well, which it does. I mean, especially another thing I talk about in the book is a very odd branch of science called microchimerism. And I know, isn't that a cool name? Chimeras are like, like weird things from Greek mythology. But what it means is like, I'm a mom. My cells are in my sons. Their cells are in me. My, I'm the oldest daughter. My cells are in my sisters. You get a blood transfusion those cells are in you. And science is showing that if the cells, wherever they land in our body from somebody else, if we get along with them, we're probably not gonna get that organic disease. Any organic diseases related to that organ, for instance. If you don't get along with those cells, they're in your pancreas, guess what? You might get diabetes. So we're very interconnected and knowing that does not need to be a negative. Right. It can be a positive. We can send healing, we can receive it, and then everybody gets the benefit of it too. Absolutely. It's a good point because at first you think, oh my gosh, okay, if I'm working on my karma and now I've got to work on the ancestors and all these other things, where are we going to find the time? But the truth is it's just a momentary shift of attention to send this compassionate light. It's a moment and it's in, and it's just, you feel it and it's done. You know, you don't even have to do this big drawn out sort of ritual. It doesn't take ritual. It's really just, you know, the knowing of it and the, you know, the intention, it's more than intention even. It's just, you know, it's just the desire, the declaration for this. Love spreads. 
love spreads, you know, even quicker than hopefully coronavirus, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, another thing I wanted to ask about, you talk about the chakras and you've talked about some of the chakra centers that are above the traditional seven. And I was wondering if you could explain the eighth through 10th and what they connect us to. Are we accessing other dimensions or how would you explain that? I love the more out of body chakras because I saw them when I was a kid. So I knew they were real. I've done a book that's 1200 pages. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I did OMG. that. <laughs> the second half. I know it is an OMG. Like, it's a great doorstopper, if nothing else. You know, I mean that in a good way. <laughs> I know, but whoa, I can't believe I did it. But the second half features chakra systems from around the world. And there's nothing magical about seven. Let me just say that. So they, they are interdimensional. They all have a different task. Like the eighth, which is just right above the head, also connects to the thymus. That's your multidimensional shaman chakra. This is where you get to fly to different places, records, libraries, spaces, past, present, future, etc. All right. Above that is a ninth chakra. It's gold. It holds, I, I often call it the seat of your soul. There's actually codes in there that if you visualize streams of grace coming down into your body can bring those key codes in the system to create wellness and to create sort of what's supposed to be here. 10 chakra, I perceive it underneath the ground, about a foot and a half underneath the feet. It connects you to nature to the cosmos, to, uh, you know, to your ancestors, et cetera. There's an 11th that's sort of around your hands and feet and in your energy field. That's the one that people have used to command natural and supernatural energy. And then the 12th is sort of just recognizing you're unique. I sometimes access it in the middle of my heart. It's in the field. And I like to send people there to get a sense of what's really different and special about them, including an extrasensory gift that's really just theirs. Nice, 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 nice. I'm into all that too. That is wonderful. Cindy, your books are incredible. I love them. People, hello, you need this. This is so filled with information. You need to keep it by your bedside where you can access it often and follow Cindy's amazing advice. Cindy, how can we get in touch with you? I will have links to this. <laughs> Thank I love it. CindyDale.com. It's just spelled funny. C-Y-N-D-I. So I. I. CindyDale.com. There's my website. A couple free things on there. Go ahead. There's a COVID meditation and a little Christmas parable that anybody can download too. Wonderful. Wonderful. You're a joy. I wish you continued success and we will see how it's all going to unfold next year. I'm sure it's going to be magical and I'm just sending you all the best, Cindy. Thank you so Thank much you for being on the show. And everyone else, you are a miracle. Thank you. Thank you. All right, friends, we've done it again. Another episode of Healing Arts. Stay tuned next time. And meanwhile, be well and be blessed. Namaste. We'll be right back.
Hey friends, it's Dr. Shelley. I have an amazing new book that's being released on May 8th that's called Past Lives with Pets. That's right. Have you known your little fuzzball in a past life? Maybe you have. And guess what? A lot of my clients say yes. And in this book, we will explore the past lives of my clients and you'll have opportunities to take guided journeys and see your own connections to your lovely little furry companions. There's also tons of other exercises to help you recover from the grief of losing your pet. You can meet your animal spirit totems, learn how to communicate with animals, and so much more. So click on the links and check out my new book. You're going to love it. Past Life with Pets, coming out May 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Care. You can visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Hooray, we've finished our week-long journey together of interviewing special guests from Llewellyn Worldwide. So I hope you loved it. And just know that from now on, the show is going to be airing on Sundays to the best of my ability. <laughs> Actually, I have several other interviews that I've already done. So for the next little bit, you can expect those to be releasing on Sunday. I've got some amazing guests yet to come. And I I know you loved Cindy Dale and Bryn Blankenship and all the other great guests that we've had on the show. Amazing. So I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I thank you in advance for checking us out on YouTube if you want to see what we look like when we're having this conversation. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, I hope this has helped kick your year off with some good ideas and some energy as we move into 2021. I am sending you so many blessings and I just, I just know something good is coming. You know, we're still in the middle of this weirdness, but we're working through it together and we're moving forward with our lives. So you are wonderful, and I can't wait to see you again on the next episode of Healing Arts. Hey friends, it's Dr. Shelley. If you are experiencing anxiety, depression, or trauma, check out my book, Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories. This is a book filled with amazing case histories of clients who have successfully healed their anxiety and trauma, and it has a lot of guided journeys in it designed to help you get through these challenging times. Click on my website at pastlifelady.com, follow the book links, and check out Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories today. <laughs>